everybody, this is Rare On Air, and if you were eavesdropping in our office, this is what you'd hear. Hello everyone, I'm Jack Hunter, editor here at Rare Politics with my good friend Matt Purple, deputy editor. Today was the big day where we were going to get to the bottom in the U.S. Senate. We had hearings. We were going to get to the bottom of this Russian hacking. We were going to find out what happened. James Clapper testified and not really much happened. Did we learn anything? Well, James Clapper yet? testifying is always, let's use That's that term loosely. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was, it, the, the intelligence hearings are still going on as we speak. The senators got to have their say. John McCain was there. Um, uh, Tim Kaine was actually there too. And yeah, there was very, we knew going in there was going to be very little that, new information that was going to come out because uh, they didn't really have the final product prepared to go. You know, the intelligence community from the beginning of this entire process, when they first came out and, and <clears throat> said publicly that they thought that the Russians had hacked into the Democratic National Committee's email accounts, uh, they've been criticized for refusing to provide forensic evidence. And I, we, we didn't see very much more of that today. We had, you know, the, the accounts of guys like Clapper, who, right. you know, I'm sure we'll get into this, has lied under oath in the past. Um, we had the intelligence community giving findings that really it had back in October. And not a whole lot of new information provided. And I think given the level of hysteria that we're seeing right now and the extrapolations people are making, you know, Trump is only there because the Russians wanted him. And if you disagree, you're guilty of treason. The, the really nasty, feverish climate out there right now, um, it, it's going to be nice to see a little bit more because this is a very serious matter. And um, we don't have a lot from the intelligence community right now. Right. And that's very interesting. You know, McCain began the hearings today with saying we're not trying to, uh, you know, redo the 2016 election. This is not what that's about. Um, so we know the politics of it. Some of the people who are really over the top with the Russia stuff definitely are upset about the outcome of the 2016 election in the Democratic camp. Mm -hmm. But you're talking about the intelligence, what we have, what we do know, what we don't know. Part of the reason, and we can get more in depth with this, that you know, so many people out there, even when President Obama and the intelligence officials and the experts say there was definitely Russian hacking and it was a problem, is because these people have given us no reason to really believe what the so-called experts say. James Clapper in particular, what is he famous for? What do we know? Well, Ron Wyden on a similar Senate committee hearing asked him, is the NSA spying on us? And he said, no. Not wittingly, of course, Edward Snowden heard that and made the revelations that he made. And we learned that the NSA was doing exactly what James Clapper said they were not doing. So you don't have a lot of credibility within the intelligence community. And just from abroad, I'm just thinking of the average person out there. They see this big behemoth in Washington, D.C. of people who supposedly know what the hell they're doing and they don't believe it anymore. And yep. the Senate committee hearing today, which really nothing new came to light. James Clapper did testify, um, who really in any other context would have been considered guilty of perjury and what he did with the NSA incident. Uh, but nobody buys it, they don't believe it. And when you have a president-elect coming into office also saying, well, you can't trust these guys and sort of dis dismissing the intelligence community, we're in a whole different place right now. We are, it's both, uh, a dangerous place and I think an inevitable place. It's dangerous because our intelligence community gets a lot wrong, but they're also the best we have. And to be... We have for, to have an intelligence community. We need community. to have a CIA, right? We do need to have people out there who are gathering intelligence in order to try to prevent attacks. How far they're allowed to go in terms of snooping and digging into your personal information is an entirely different question. But to have a president coming in and saying, no, this is a non-story, something is fishy here, uh, who's going to be these guys' boss? 
um, who supposedly was, was considering downsizing the intelligence community as a result of this scandal. That is very dangerous because it suggests a level of retribution based not on good sound policy. The intelligence community is way too big. It right. needs to be reduced. And the only thing we did after 9-11 was add the stupid director of national intelligence, uh, supposedly to discriminate, you know, to, to mediate battles between the agencies. It's just made the entire thing bigger. It's cumbersome. It's a mess. We need to, to shrink it. To do it, though, for personal reasons and vindictive reasons, is... uh, it's the same thing with his Taiwan policy. It may have been the right call. We do need to get a little bit tougher with China in terms of their clampdowns in the South and East China Seas. But it wasn't done with any strategic thinking behind it. And I think that's the real risk here. If you want intelligence reform, let's have intelligence reform. Just make sure you do it for reasons that are going to get you good intelligence reform. Sure. The distrust you know, among the public is across the board. So it's just like you said, Matt. Um, there's good reason for many people out there not to believe all this Russia hype. Hmm. At the same time, there's good reason for us to believe that the reason Donald Trump doesn't believe it is for personal axes to grind. That's sort of where we're at. Is this going to make even things worse? Because Donald Trump, you don't know if he's doing things for the good of the country, uh, for our national security, for our basic health and safety, however you want to look at it, or if he's doing it because of his ego. And I look, I'm not saying that Barack Obama doesn't have an ego or George W. Bush or any other uh, you know, commander-in-chief. I think to run for politics, you have to have some sort of an ego. But this is a different thing where uh, Donald Trump, I mean, tweeting all the time, the way he behaves, is that going to take us down a path that's even worse than anything we could have possibly imagined? I think it's going to pose institutional challenges for the United States going forward, although I would hasten to add as well, I think it's time we had some skepticism of our intelligence community. Without question. After the slam dunk in Iraq, after the supposedly the supposed reports of civilians being slaughtered in Libya that turned out to be false, et cetera, ad nauseum, on and on. Um, no doubt we need more skepticism there. Um, and far more, yes, it, there's going to be institutional stress with Trump as the president and with the intelligence agencies beneath him after all this. No question about it. What I think is far more dangerous than that, though, is the climate that we've seen amped up since this election. The left has lost its mind because they're angry that, they, that Trump won, and they're putting him now in this sort of vague miasma along with the Russians and burning with hatred for both of them. Right. I have seen um, Glenn Greenwald and Tucker Carlson, who expressed skept mild skepticism over the intelligence, accused of, tr of treason on Twitter. I've seen patriotism equated with uh, trusting the CIA. Uh, this feels more than at any time since the Iraq war like the run-up to that conflict when all nuance was swept aside, every, everybody was trusting the CIA slam dunk without providing any necessary scrutiny. Uh, those who didn't want to go to war were accused of treason. And the entire thing just you know, leveled our discussion and turned it into two columns. You're either with us or with the enemy, and you don't want to be with the enemy, so you better be with your country. And look how that turned out. Look what happened there. We need to be very careful where we're going right now, and I hate to say it, but I, there's a small part of me that's glad Trump is becoming president on the Russia question because maybe he'll be a little bit too feeble on Russia, but he's not going to get us in a war like some of right. these people right now sound like they would. They really do. They seem eager to do so. And you're comparing it to the lead up to the Iraq war. And I think the difference now was, you know, George W. Bush, that administration was sort of pushing for the Iraq war. And in a lot of ways, the media never asked the questions they should have at the time. They did trust the expert too much. Maybe some of the Democrats, a little bit of pushback, but ultimately they all went along with it. Hillary voted for it. We all know that Pelosi crossed the board. 
do you remember during the lead up to that, Jessica Yellen at CNN, she said this after she left CNN, she admitted that part of the reason that she was let go or went elsewhere, or maybe she was with NBC at the time, maybe I got that wrong. Anyway, whoever her employer was, she was at CNN later, she was basically told by her bosses that this war is popular, talking about the Iraq war in 2003, and that we need to sort of go along with this, it's good for ratings, it's good for business. She had a problem with that as a journalist. She's like, no, that's not our job. Mm -hmm. We have sort of a weird reverse, however you want to look at it sort of thing now. It's what you mentioned where you have respected journalists, people that you think would be credible, all buying into this Russia stuff to the degree that they would accuse a Tucker Carlson or Glenn Greenwald of being a traitor or treasonous before just being on the other side or asking questions. Mm -hmm. um, that's very scary. And we know... Um, you know, from examples like Jessica Yellen, or even what we see now with the Russia stuff. I, this is what I'm curious about, Matt. A year from now, when we look back at this Russia hype, how much of it will live up to the hype and be credible, and how much of it, in retrospect, will be like, wow, were we off base? What a bunch I, of malarkey. I think it's going to fade rather quickly, because Trump is going to try to repeal the Affordable Care Act. All the attention is going to be diverted to that, you know, back to domestic issues. It is amazing, is it not, how quickly controversies fade from the zeitgeist when yeah. you're talking about them? I think this is one that's going to dry up just as quickly as it, as it came about. I mean, remember, we knew most of this back in October 2016. It only sprouted this huge controversy after the election because the everybody thought context. Hillary Clinton was going to win anyway. Um, <clears throat> but I take your broader point, which is, you know, what we have now, they're, they're not even challenging Trump because it's good for ratings. Uh, the political journalism views itself as being this great gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. And it's their job to, you know, to protect. It's not their job so much to expose the truth to their viewers. It's more the job to, to protect this environment, this town, and the values yeah. that it upholds. They're a part of the current political consensus. They're a part of the problem, as Donald Trump would see it. And they are aligning against Trump almost universally. I mean, with a few exceptions, like Tucker Carlson, there are very, there's almost nobody in the so-called mainstream press who you would accuse of being in any way sympathetic to Trump. They hate the guy. I mean, you've got supposedly neutral reporters at the New York Times. Their snark is leaking through into right. their Twitter feeds. This is where we are right now. Uh, to be against Donald Trump is seen as being almost a sacrament of mainstream journalism. And... The problem is Trump has decided, I don't need these guys anymore. We've heard he's thinking about getting rid of the White House press briefings. We've seen him use his Twitter account to go around to circumvent the press and talk to the electorate directly. And I think he's going to continue to do that going forward. And so you're going to, I think you're going to stumble upon an existential crisis. What is going to be the press's role going forward? The answer should be to cover all sides, including the Trump administration, right. from which we know there's going to be scandals. That's we what know there's going to be malfeasance. But... If they come off as being clubby and if they come off as being innately hostile for the sake of hostility to Donald Trump, nobody's going to believe them or trust them. And they, they already are. You know, there's always been that, you know, we're objective, we're journalists. I, our contributor, Rebecca Bidlack, a few weeks ago, I think, put it really well in a, in a rare piece. She said that the press is learning to be oppositional again. They were really pro-Obama in many ways. And now that they hate the president-elect being Donald Trump, they absolutely loathe him. They're going in the other extreme direction where they should have grilled Obama, Barack Obama more than they did because they were in yeah. his, now they're grilling the president-elect in ways that go far beyond objective journalism. It's an ax to grind. They're really trying to get at this guy. They hate this guy. And that's not, if I turn on CNN or NBC, any, that's not what I'm supposed to be watching. And they pretend that that's not what they are, and yet 
You're seeing it now more than ever. And you know, we as conservatives or libertarians or people on the center right forever complained about bias in media, even the liberal media. Um, you know, I've always argued that there has always been a liberal media with the advent of Fox and its popularity. That provided sort of a counter on the liberal media where just the networks and even the CNN could just be as left-leaning as they wanted to. Fox comes along, most popular thing in the world, it provided a balance. But there still is among journalists, the journalist class, the political class, certainly people in this town here in Washington, D.C., a left tilt, and Donald Trump represents everything that they hate. And we're seeing it in spades. They're coming at him with everything they have. And even stories that might not be as uh, fantastic or threatening, like the Russia thing, as they appear, they're blowing up beyond anyone's wildest dreams or nightmares. Yeah, it's... It I think Will Ron put it best when he called journalists a, pre, a self-styled priesthood. And really it's, it's their goal to try to save souls out there from the menace that is Donald Trump, and now they've been repudiated in that. The other question, speaking of people in this town, the other question that I have is, what's going to happen to the national security hawks? So we saw you know, grandstanding at that intelligence hearing earlier today. Right. Because all of this is deeply hypocritical. Nobody remembers back in 2007, the CIA produced a national intelligence estimate on the subject of Iran's nuclear program. And they said, based on this, we cannot determine that Iran has a nuclear program. We don't think there is one. The evidence is not there. All the neocons said, this is bunk. Don't trust the CIA. Right. Iran is actually developing nuclear <laughs> weapons. We need this war weapons. with Iran. Don't trust these guys. And by the way, I, I in, in some of my pieces, have questioned that conclusion as well. Um, you can also go back to even before the Iraq war, if you want to, and some of the older hawks, very distrustful of the CIA because they viewed it as an impediment during the Cold War. They viewed it as having gotten everything wrong. Right. Only today, all of a sudden, are hawks like really gung-ho behind the CIA. If you don't trust the CIA, then you're a fool, you're a traitor. This is all very new for them. And I wonder, you know, where are they going to go from here? What is going to happen on this? This, this Russia thing is going to, to fade away. Uh, are they going to get completely hysterical and behave like they're living under Russian occupation for the next four years? <laughs> um, what are they going to continue to think about Syria, where Bashar al-Assad clearly has the upper hand now, although that war is going to continue to go on? Um, what about, uh, you know, it, it, does the European Union continues to fall apart as it looks like it's going to? There, there's so many questions and so much uncertainty, I think, for them. Um, you know, we libertarians got it hard on the chin, this election. We always get it hard on the chin. We're used to it. We've, you know, tripped and fallen right. more times Nothing than we can count. Um, they got it harder on the chin than we did. They really did. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. They really did for, you know, libertarians, whether you're an activist or writer out there or a fan, or you're, you know, a Rand Paul or Justin Amash, there's, there's something to work with with Trump on some issues. Some of the things he said about nation building, regime change, wanting to audit the Federal Reserve, some different, and there's some bad things as well. If you're a Republican hawk or a neoconservative, Boy, you're on the outs right now. I, when you know, Bill Crystal tweeted in the new year that 2017 will be the year that the world discovers that a liberal global empire is a great thing again. But is that wishful thinking, or is that actually going to happen? Given Bill Crystal's track record, I think that's wishful thinking. And I must admit, when it comes to those people, it is interesting to me and somewhat satisfying to me. You know, back in the lead up to the Iraq War, talking about Bush administration, WMDs. Part of that narrative was journalists like Stephen Hayes at the Weekly Standard, which, of course, Bill Crystal was in charge of, writing a book called The Connection, saying that Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden were in cahoots. And I'll never yep. forget the cover of that stupid book. He had a picture of Saddam Hussein in a circle and a line drawn from him to Osama bin Laden. That was The Connection. And who repeated that line? The Vice President of the United States, Dick Cheney, 
also said there was a connection between Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, and Saddam Hussein, and people believe that. Where did he get that idea? Stephen Hayes, who also happened to be Dick Cheney's biographer. You see what I'm getting at. The point being, that, that narrative, that idea that they were in cahoots, Saddam Hussein and uh, Osama bin Laden, was complete bunk. Not kinda true, not a little true, complete BS. Some in the intelligence community at the time even said that, and what did the hawk say? Oh, these people don't know what Dismissed they're talking about. Dismissed them. Yep. Dismissed them. They don't know what they're talking about. So, you know, people like us who knew that the, the neoconservatives and the hawks were sort of wanting war with Iraq, wanting to depose Saddam Hussein for a long time, we kind of saw through that. We knew what a Stephen Hayes was up to, Dick Cheney, Doug Feith, Richard, all these people we knew. And nobody would listen. Well, you guys don't know anything. You're just a bunch of writers or idiots. These are the experts. Well, the experts were proven wrong then, and now nobody believes experts anymore. So there are some silver linings somewhere in all that. But one quick note I would add on that is that if you if you say the CIA are experts, and I'm not quite sure that's what you were saying, but I, you know, they are. They they could be considered experts in a broad sense. When people are watching TV. It's like, oh, yeah. there's a guy in a military uniform. That guy's an expert. He's got an. They they assume that they know something. I'm just saying they don't. don't but the, the CIA was right about that. I mean, that's they what were. drives me crazy. When it comes to weapons of mass destruction, if you look at what was actually going on at right. the, you know, <clears throat> even like the assistant deputy level, they knew that the that the case was not there and that it could not be made. And in fact, in order to to compile this mosaic that we did that they did. Um, the, the Bush administration had to borrow from British intelligence, which made cakes about yellow cake uranium. Right. They had to borrow from, um, uh, from a German source named Curveball, who was an alcoholic and made the whole thing up, as we later found out. They, didn't tr they circumvented their own intelligence agency. And in fact, they distrusted it so much, they set up a special agency inside the Pentagon called the Office of Special Projects to gather their own intelligence and to do it. Wow. So don't tell me for one second that somehow the Republican hawks and the neocons are all fond of the CIA. This is a very new thing for right. them. And uh, it's twisted them into a pretzel, and we'll see where they go well, from here. Well, if Trump's done anything, he's twisted everybody into pretzels. Some good things and some bad things. We'll see what happens. When we join you guys next time, next Tuesday when the podcast drops, uh, totally changing subject, but we're going to be talking about the liberty movement in the Trump era. I've had a few things to say about that and a piece that's coming out soon, and we'll be talking about it on this podcast uh, next Tuesday. So good to be with you all today and talk to you again soon. Talk to you guys then.